0: you are listening to the all focus and grit breakaway roping podcast where we provide you a roadmap to success both inside and outside the arena here are your
1: hosts breakaway ropers dreamers and goal setters jennifer casey cody fuller and dusty
2: crenshaw
0: Focus and Grip podcast. I'm Jennifer Casey. I'm Dusty Crenshaw, and I'm Cody Fuller. I hear Jennifer won some money at Byler. I did. Yay. I ended up second there. Yay! <laughs> the cows were very fast.
1: Yeah,
0: <laughs> I was a little late on my first one because you had to see a move, and then we're running down the arena, and I'm like, "Oh my god, we're going so fast!" Like <laughs> I'm thinking this like for three strides, and then like we're there. I'm like, "I got a rope." Oh, that's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> So oh, go, mad and go, go, mad and go. Right. Well, I was so late. I was like, oh, there's no way we're gonna catch up. Oh, and then oh, we were there, man. and I'm like, I have to rope it now. <laughs> like, oh crap. There's a lot to think about. There's a lot. That's right awesome. when you're four seconds, there's a whole lot more to think. It's about. It's funny how
2: sometimes so how many things can go through your mind in that short amount of time, and yeah. you're like, well, that's probably not good that I thought of those many that many things <laughs> in that amount of time. I
1: wasn't really focused. Right. <laughs> You know it's funny being able to think about your runs and be like, oh yep, I got to hustle and go there. So I was talking to this gal that I was helping, breakaway rope. Um, she's a seventh grader this year, and we were talking about when I first started barrel and how I literally blinked out, like I for twenty seconds right I blanked down. <laughs> <laughs> oh come on, I was like a nineteen no. five. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it was it was true. Like, but breakaway rope and I don't like I can remember kind of every part of it. And she was like. I don't know what I just did. I I blanked out while I was roping, but she is a fantastic brow racer. And I said, do you blank out brow racing? She says, no. And it was just funny how you can, like as you practice how your brain starts thinking about, oh, I'm late. Oh, I'm okay. I'm here. And and you can think about that. Where if you're a rookie at it, you might come out and be like, whoa, I don't know what just happened.
2: (laughs) And that must have a little bit to do with nerves because, you know, the more you do it, maybe you're a little less nervous about,
1: Right, and the muscle memory, like, knowing, and the fill, like, you can kind of feel, like, I can feel when I'm a four versus a two flat. Uh, barrel racing, um, a 17 and a 19 feel the same. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, sometimes my 19 second runs, I'm like, whoa, I was flying. <laughs> and then the announcer tells me the time, I'm like, nope, I wasn't. <laughs> you're like, check the clock on that, that was, that was super fast. <laughs> I am getting better, though. (laughs) Anyways. Yeah. So, um, in this episode, we are super excited um, to have our good friend, Kim Smith, here. Um, She's going to talk about the breakaway roping uh, horses and how the market is changing and exploding right now, especially after the American and the WPRA um, Latinx breakaway rope at the pro rodeos and just
0: just the crave out there for these amazing breakaway horses we're super excited to have Kim um, I've known Kim since college we went both went to Washington State go Cougs um, and she got her four-year degree there um, in accounting and has then pursued being a horse broker after her daughter was born so called Best Fit Hor- Horse Brokers and she is just really been the go-to person for me and i know for a lot of people to be able to get their horses sold or to be able to match the horse and the buyer
1: thank you to kim smith with best fit horse brokers for sponsoring the all-focus and great breakaway roping podcast best fit specializes in brokering barrel horses rope horses and prospects primarily in the northwest best fit is committed to being the connection that puts buyers and horses together You can find Best Fit at www.bestfithorsebrokers.com or follow them on Facebook.
0: Welcome, everybody, to the All Focus and Grip Breakaway Roping Podcast Number Five. We are so excited to be here today with Kim Smith of Best Fit Horse Brokers and going to share with you everybody today about the Breakaway Horse Roping Market maybe how to find a breakaway horse if you're looking, and what's out there, and who's looking. So, first, I'm so excited to have you here today, Kim. I've known you since college, when we went to, we were roommates at Washington State University. Go Cougs! Go Cougs! (laughs) That was awesome, we college rodeoed there, Um, and then I've just, we've kept in touch. I've bought horses from you, I've went and rode with you, um... My daughter has been to your breakaway school. Yes.
2: Did they have a Did they have a rodeo team at Wazoo? We had
0: we had a, a club. They oh, okay. It. Yeah.
2: Because now I don't think that they have much
0: there. We, we won the region two years. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Heck yeah. Women's region. Heck yeah.
2: You guys yeah. had a good club.
0: Then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it was a club. It was a club. It was a club. Yeah. And oh, okay. You had to go downstairs. I remember at the coog to get re or wherever was to get reimbursed for your. Travel monies.
2: Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, that was but kinda
0: like you of I. Nobody got scholarships. There was none of that to be had. It was no
2: good people in kind of thing. Yeah. You just hope the good people want a good education. Exactly.
0: Yeah. Which was true. It was a good education. Yes. And we got to rodeo. And we got to rodeo. Perhaps we wrote the whole time in Lewiston. Yeah, we did. We I think we wrote more with L C S C than... Our own I think so too. Every day up and down the hill. Yes. Yeah. A lot of fuel.
2: 50-minute 50, 50 drive every day.
3: Every day. And we boarded our horses there for a long time, mm-hmm. or at least in the winters because, yeah, that's where we needed to rope, so that's where they needed to live.
0: <laughs> every day up and down the hill. Every
2: yeah, day. I did that too. I went to school in Moscow, and obviously I just kept my horses at home, and that's where we'd have our college practices at the Fuller Arena, and so every single day.
0: Up and down. I guess I'm
2: one of the (laughs) bullets. Yeah.
0: Right. Harold would feed for us sometimes in the once a day, and then we would have to make it down there to feed the second time, so Oh man. Yeah. It was pretty cool. Mm -hmm. So Kim has been brokering and selling horses for almost thirteen years. That's exciting. I know you've brokered in the barrel horse world and the roping horse world. And the potential horse world. Why don't you share with us a little bit about how you came to do this? This is pretty exciting. <laughs> well, first, let me say thank
3: you so much for having me here. I'm very excited to be here with all of you. Here, all friends of mine, and I all think you're. I think you're all outstanding. Oh. Um, so it actually happened by accident. The brokering business. I was a new mom, and I think I was maybe even still on maternity leave. And I get bored really easily. And I sat down at the computer and I started building myself a website just to put my own horses on. Um, And then friends started asking me to put their horses on the website that they wanted to sell. Um, And before I knew it, everybody was pushing me into becoming a paid horse broker. Um, And I did it on the side for quite some time. I I was actually an accountant in my prior life, I say. Um, prior to kids um and when my daughter was about a year old I decided I was going to broker horses full-time and be a part stay-at-home mom and work from home and it's just grown from there it's I can't believe it's actually been 13 years but it has I looked it up um, <laughs> it's official it's official do we can we have a party I don't right know. we can have I a party can do it, yeah can we cake that fireball over there yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly um Most of the horses that I broker are barrel horses. That is primarily what I do. That is, you know, what I did in college. I dabble in the breakaway roping. I am probably a 4D breakaway roper, (laughs) if you want to put it in barrel horse terms. Um, I love to do it, um, but I've never done it full out like you guys do. You guys are professionals at it. Um, But with the growth of the market and the industry, and now my daughter, who is 15 craves it Um, I'm really putting a lot more focus into it and um, trying
0: to expand the brokering business I think it's pretty cool that you have been able to create a job for yourself that you get to do something you're very passionate about so I think that's very awesome because I think as all three of us we are still working our nine-to-five job and we are all looking to be able to Um, get to do our passion every day. So I think that's, that's very cool. I am truly blessed to do what I do.
3: And, and it was a big leap to do it. And and I was scared to do it. Um, But luckily, you know, my husband has a great job and we were in a position where if it didn't work out, we would be okay. And I still had my accounting degree and my accounting experience to go back to. Uh, My husband asked me the other day if he thought I could, if I thought I could still go back to having a nine to five job as an accountant. And I said, yeah, I haven't had any CPE in a dozen years. I don't, I don't think I could do that.
0: (laughs) And if this is working out, why would you want to?
3: Exactly.
0: So I think the reason we, one of the main reasons we brought you here today is every time I open up Facebook, everybody's wanting and searching for a breakaway horse Mm -hmm. in search of safe breakaway horse or in search of finished breakaway horse. So we thought we'd and one of our main things with the podcast is about helping talk, educate and talk to people about the horse industry and the aspect of breakaway roping. So before we get started, to kind of define for our listeners what we're talking about, I think we're going to group horses into several different um, categories. We're going to talk about the well-broke horse that hasn't been started. This horse would be, say, something that's been ranched on or rode um, or has, say, you can get on it and you can ride it but he's not fancy broke might not lope, but he can lope a circle but and stop but nothing's very he's not very quick about it and then you added the term terminology fancy broke mm-hmm. and tell me how you define fancy broke my definition of fancy broke is something that's been through a professional
3: training program particularly a cow horse program either um, a reining handle a cutting handle or a snaffle bit which snaffle bit is a combination of um, rein cutting and fence work. Um, it's kind of a broader term, and um, I think those horses are somewhat sought after as breakaway prospects
0: for sure. And I I think that distinction is pretty um, good for us to have in this conversation um, between the well broke horse, a fancy broke horse, and then I would define two other types of horses: a potential horse as one that has been roped on. Um, say in the practice pen and or say to some local jackpots. So it has had some limited hauling, but doesn't have much of a re- resume. And then I would call your finished horse, a horse that has a resume backing it up um, of what a, he or she has accomplished. And then we can put over here like the bad cats. Those really ones <laughs> that we would all like to have, but um, I never see them for sale. Yeah, those ones are not for sale. <laughs> no. And if they are, it's going to be a lot of money. Right. So that's kind of um, how we, I think, should define horses, and we've all ridden all of these different types of horses. And so I think it'll be a interesting discussion. So, sure, yeah, I think uh, so. I'm going to ask a bunch of questions, and then we can talk about it. So I think the first one is, how much should I spend on a breakaway horse? <laughs> <laughs> that is an awesome question, that is, and that's a very personal question. I always tell people, don't
3: spend more than you can afford. I've had parents come to me and say. You have to find the perfect horse because I'm putting every spare dime I have into this horse for my kid and I can't afford to do it again. I don't recommend doing that. Um, You know, horses break their legs and even if they're insured, you can have a horse get hurt in a way to end its career that won't pay you out an insurance policy.
0: Um, So I always tell them, know what you can afford. Um, What about... Let's kind of break it down this way. So if I go out and I found a well-broke horse, how much is that horse worth versus a fancy broke horse? <laughs> okay, I think that's a good starting point. Yeah, because that is. Uh, that is.
3: And first, let me say, they're worth a lot more than they were a year ago. Because <laughs> all the changes in the breakaway industry and the huge growth that we're seeing, which is so exciting, it is, it's exploding the market.
2: Probably um, even a huge difference after the american era yes (laughs) i mean just a couple months ago yes there was a
3: huge huge push i got so many calls from parents you know my kid my kid is wanting to be a breakaway roper now that's their new dream it's not just the breakaway is an extra sport they want to do for the all-around these kids want to be breakaway ropers Yep. um so, so yeah, awesome! Yay! It's so it is awesome,
2: good. and now your business is going to be expanding. Yeah, exactly.
3: <laughs> and my daughter's one of them. She's 15 years old, and we've tried forever to get her interested in Breakaway, and she's been watching the three of you, and and she idolizes Jennifer, probably because I do too, and <laughs> she watches her and what she's been doing, and she's mom, I want Breakaway, I want Breakaway, and she goes out. And I'll catch her in the barn, rope in the bale.
0: And and yay! That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. you remember
3: when we had to, like, push her to do that? Yeah. It was, yeah. And now she wants to do it. She's excited. And watching the American and watching a youth win the American, that's huge. Mm-hmm. It, well, it's it was pretty motivating
2: thing. to have, now that we can have bigger goals break breakaway roping, it motivates you a heck of a lot more than, well, okay, i got to rope the bale for, you know, for yes. my couple rodeos mm-hmm. a year kind of
3: thing. Yes, you yeah. have a bigger Why? Mm-hmm. have a bigger exactly. than
0: I, like that. I like that. Um. So, does it change much if you have a well broke or a fancy broke horse if it's been started in the breakaway? Does that change? I think it does now. Pricing? I
3: think it does now. I think two years ago I would have said no. Breakaway was just an add on. Hey, if it also breakaways, great, but that's not what we're looking for. Now people are specifically looking for breakaway horses. And Breakaway Prospects. Mm-hmm. You know, I feel like two years ago, I could have went out and bought a Breakaway Prospect for 5000 mm-hmm. Now we're looking in the $10,000 range for something that... Has, has been roped on? Mm-hmm. I mean... Maybe. Maybe a little. Maybe at home. Mm-hmm. Maybe just... Something that's been roped out of of the box, out of the box box. for a month or two. uh, I think that's easily in the ten thousand dollar price range if it's showing potential in that area. Not just, hey, I can do it and it doesn't buck me off. This horse shows (laughs) true potential. (laughs) You know, I think you could easily spend ten thousand dollars on that prospect.
1: No, wow. You, You said a lot of parents are calling you. What is like the major thing they're wanting for their kids with their horses?
3: what I want them to have or what they want to have. Parents want their kid to win right. and parents want their money to go as far as possible.. Right. So sometimes parents make the mistake of get me the best horse for my kid and have it be five years old so it will last them all the way through college. right.
2: Okay, so sometimes what they're asking for isn't very isn't feasible. what they
3: and it isn't what they need. in in my opinion, these parents and what I'm trying to push them towards is the finished, solid, seasoned, campaigned breakaway horse that can teach their kid as quickly as possible. That's going to do its job every time that they don't have to handle too much, you know, that isn't going to have anxiety like a young horse might while you're seasoning it. Um, And yeah, it might only last them four years. It might not last them all the way through high school and college, but I I feel like those horses that are seasoned get those kids to a higher level quicker without having to worry about the horse performing, um,
0: and and a lot of parents know that um, it's still hard for them to they still want the younger horses they a lot want of, the younger horse because they see it I as don't.
3: a car with mileage right you know, they they're want the on low spending money car. exactly right. you know right. or they don't want to pay much which with the demand right now that there is for youth breakaway horses, the demand I think is as high as anything. So sellers are figuring that out and in hurt in a hurry and they know they've got value.
2: Yeah.
0: What would, how do you see, is there any available these potential break these? Yeah, I'll phrase it this way. Is there any potential breakaway horses out there? Is there any finished breakaway horses out there? I would say there's probably more potential breakaway horses
3: out there then there are quality finished horses out there
2: so how do you how do you weed out the difference because everybody thinks that they have a potential breakaway horse that they could sell you yes everyone's like oh yeah easy this could do breakaway yeah so how do you weed out the ones that are actually going to make a breakaway horse
3: well so in my business i have a trusted group of clients. To where if I know if they tell me this horse is broke right, it's showing the right potential, it's going to make a good one. I trust those people. If it's a new client and I don't know them as well, um, and they want to sell a horse that they say it's going to be a bad cat, I want proof. I want to see videos of that horse, how it's broke, how it handles. If it's roping a little, I want to see exactly what it's doing, how it's handling the pressure, things like
0: that. Yeah. How would you, look, Cody, as a breakaway roper, make that differentiation?
2: Well, um, I guess everyone's a little bit different. Uh, I think, like I've said, for myself, I want something that's pretty well-broke, That's so it's going to make a breakaway horse a lot quicker, it already knows how to get on its butt <laughs> naturally a little bit, um, it's going to you know, give to your hand a little bit. I want something, for me, the build, I want something shorter strided uh shorter neck so I can see over them um, those kinds of things you know like just well enough broke that it's not going to take
1: too long to make it into a breakaway horse basically
0: how about for you Dusty what does that look like
1: I have to piggyback on what um, Kim and Cody both just said I you know I definitely if I was going to go buy a potential breakaway horse I would want to see it first I want to see how it's moving how it's working um, and I grew up, you know, training a lot of horses how to just swing a rope over, you know, know, are they scared of the rope? Can they handle it? Can they handle the pressure in the box? Like, where are they at as far as being in the potential breakaway? So. Yeah.
2: And something that I think makes it a lot easier, um, like for the horse I'm on now, it didn't take him very long because he has a history of he was in the cutting world when he was younger and it just makes it so much quicker.
3: And if they handle the pressure in, in an event like cutting and they come out with a good mind after that, it's breakway might not be as stressful and create as much anxiety as a horse that's say a four year old who this is its very first job is learning breakway. They're is gonna it, have yeah. more anxiety about it in general.
2: Yeah, never been anywhere, haven't seen anything. Yeah.
1: Well, I think when you're when you're finding the potential too, you want to make sure Whoever is buying the horse knows how to take that horse from a potential horse to a seasoned horse. Um, a kid that's just learning how to rake away rope, and I mean, to give them a potential horse that's just barely learning how to go out of the box and still needing some direction, you know, it's going to take that that kid a lot more time to learn how to rope. So and the kid, definitely,
3: and the kid will get frustrated, right? And we don't want that. We want these kids to have a good experience and develop their skills and and maintain a love for the sport Mm -hmm. yeah this is a sport that's growing
2: you want them to not have to worry about their horse really you want them to just be able to worry about themselves to learn how to rope and then once they have that figured out then everything else comes too
1: right and I think it's great like once a kid starts figuring out how to rope to get those potential horses along with having their good seasoned horse because then they you know they learn how to cue the horse correctly it's not everything's push button
0: so what do we look for and we're kind of talking about this in a potential or finished horse so when we see an ad roll across facebook or we go to look at a horse in person like what's the first thing that catches your eye that's kind of my next question to the group and is there anything that say mm, big red x not going to go look at it <laughs> <laughs> I see a lot of Facebook ads. and like, Ooh, yep. Nope. Nope. (laughs) uh,
3: I usually have to see the video before I'll put a great big X on them because I mean, I have a look that I look for. I like the cow horse look like Cody said, I like a smaller built horse with a shorter, low neck, which tends to be a cow horse bred horse. But until I see a video, I don't rule anything out. And sometimes I can watch a video for five seconds and I turn it off and rule it out. Mm -hmm. Um,
1: what do you see when when you're like, oh nope, like what is something that you uh,
3: I, in the so? first five seconds, you can usually judge whether a horse is an athlete. I want an athlete. If, if the horse doesn't move in a good rhythm and a good cadence and doesn't look like it moves balanced or it's tight and bound up in any way, that's not usually one I want to start with. I want to start with a horse that's moves nice and fluid and balanced and somewhat relaxed. I don't want a stressed-out prospect to start with. Those are so much harder to get through because breakaway puts a lot of pressure on a horse like we were talking about earlier, you know? So I don't want to start with one that's overly hot
0: myself. I had posed on Facebook, um, I don't think... So, you know, the, the question of... I posted Maddie's shoes, which are double lots, and the other horse's mm-hmm. shoes, which are twos. I mean, it's just... I would rather
3: have the double lots than the twos. And me, personally, mm-hmm. and yes, a small-footed horse has some problems, but those tend to be the horses that are athletic and quick-footed. I feel like the great big-footed horses, less of them are athletes. In it my takes opinion. a special one to be an athlete mm-hmm. Yes, if they're big. Yeah. They have those bigger strides. It's hard to... Yeah. And they hit the ground hard. And for me, yeah. like, if I am given I am... A novice compared to you guys in the breakaway roping world, and maybe that's why it's harder for me. But if I feel my horse's feet hitting the ground hard, my swing tends to get in that rhythm,
0: <laughs> yeah, which means I'm it swinging does. slow, and mm-hmm. that's not what I need to do. So, we call it long strided horses versus short strided horses, yeah. yeah, or
3: one that hits the ground so lightly you don't feel it. Those yeah, are, yeah, you don't even think of it, you don't have to think of it. Yeah. That's the best, right? yeah.
0: So we kind of, is there anything else that we big nose to look for that you guys see? If we,
3: if we want to talk confirmation, um, I don't mind a cow horse. I think a cow horse stops a little deeper and a little easier, wider in the back end, but I do not like a straight hocked horse. Um, breakaway is... So much about stopping, and a horse that's built naturally straight in his hocks, I don't think it's going to hold up long term. And same respect on the front end, I don't like a horse that's over or under at his knees. Knees are important too. You don't mm-hmm. want them jamming their stops, and you know the knees are a big thing to me too.
0: I look for their hocks, and their hocks have to be low to the ground. Yes, I don't, and that has, and then that directly relates to the angle of their shoulder. And that's what I look for. Yes.
3: Because those things
0: determine how they're going to stop
3: mm, and, and hold up. Yeah. Out.
0: And for me, the most important thing about a breakaway horse is their first stride out of the box. Yeah, their speed. Oh. And, and they have to – you don't want one that propels with their hind end because if, you, if you're if you being pushed from the hind end, think about that, that's rotating your pelvis back or um, posteriorly, and that's pushing you back. And if you have a horse that generates their power from their front end – It's creating an anterior pelvic tilt, so your hips are rolling forward, so you're able to get up on them. So that's why the angle of their shoulder is the most important thing. I learned that in high school. We had a horse named Puff. I am so excited. I knew I was going to learn
3: something today, (laughs) and now I am.
0: Wait, I need to take notes. (laughs) Right. Um, So I can look at a horse, and and I can get on them and know immediately that feel. But I mean, other people are different, right? But I want a horse that pulls me up, mm-hmm. and it's that that that. Yeah, they can all stop. You can make any horse stop, and you can make, and that doesn't bother me. But it's that power, that first stride, because that's what's going to get you to the calf.
3: That's why you rope in twos and I rope in fours.
0: <laughs>
3: <laughs> and I finally figured it
0: out. <laughs> I had a horse that taught me to rope in twos. <laughs> yes. There was no other option. Yes. 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 <laughs> yes. <laughs> But, um, yeah, that's what I look for, confirmation-wise. So I think that's important. So does breeding or a set of papers influence whether or not you're going to look at a breakaway horse or the price of a breakaway horse? The big question.
3: (laughs) Yes. I mean, should it? Mm, I mean, if it's the right horse, no, it shouldn't. If it's the perfect teacher horse for your 15-year-old kid... Who cares if it's even registered by a grade horse? I don't care. But the set of papers tends to tell you how that horse might be, what traits it might have. Certain bloodlines tend to have certain traits, how much cow it has. Don't our breakaway horses need a certain amount of cow? That's why most papers on rope horses Draw from the cow horse lines. They're not dash for cash. They're not dash to fames. No, like the (laughs) other side of my business. They're dog bars. Yeah, they're dog bars. They're the cow horses. And some of it's the old, old lines, which that's great stuff too. And some of it is the newer, stingier cutting horse type lines. So, I mean, yeah, you see a trend towards cow horses. Should it be your deciding factor? No, unless you're looking at a prospect that maybe isn't started yet, then the papers give you an idea what traits that horse will likely have, in my opinion. So what does your horse have on
0: his papers?
2: Well, that's a good question. <laughs> I I he has he has cow horse. I know that he I know he has cow horse, but I cannot tell you what specific ones I'd have to look at his papers. Because there again Yes, when we bought him, I think he was a four-year-old, and so we did look at his papers, but he was already, you know, we knew he was cutting. He was, um, who we bought him from had already put some, think, well, maybe a couple days of roping on him, but so we knew we could do it. So but, so I don't really remember.
0: How about you, Dusty? <laughs> She's Googling. Right. Just
3: to all <laughs> listeners who can't see this, Dusty is Googling her horse's pedigree. Well, you know, I just
1: asked my dad to send the, the papers of my horse over because I actually did not buy the horse. It's actually my dad's
0: horse. And Those are the best kind.
1: Right? Um, <laughs> I think I said this on an earlier podcast. I, I'd call my dad, um, oh gosh, when I was pregnant with uh, Macy, and I said, I need a rope horse. And then I got too big to ride the horse. And then a couple years later, now I'm on the horse again. So um, I do, like, my grandpa, I he would go to all of these cells in Utah and Southern Idaho, and he really looked for puppy, sand badger, and dock bar. Those yes. were, like, his two major breeds. And I'll tell you what, um, coming through the Rogers Arena, like, those horses were awesome. Like, you know, just like Jennifer said, they they got you up to the front of your saddle horn when they started. They knew how to stop, but they already knew how to chase the cow. It was, like, bred into them. Yes. So as far as starting them... Um, it was fairly simple. And they—they they none of them were really hot-headed. They were really easy. Um, so, yeah, that's those were our two main was the Doc Bar and Peppy Sand Badger. So, to answer your question, <laughs> funny enough, um, it does have Peppy Sand Badger in it and um, Doc Bar in it. Perfect. Of course it would. <laughs> if it came from the Rogers. Because that's what my grandpa liked. And he had those Western horsemen and... I'll tell you about my grandpa, he's 97 right now, and if you sit down and talk to him about horses, like, he'll talk to you all day long. Like, he knows every single, um, cutting, reining horse, what it does, how much it's won, like, he that's is down to the, I could sit to and the talk penny. with
3: him all day long. Oh, yeah. I need so his <laughs> number. So, he's awesome.
1: Like, my that's who I actually rode horses for when I was in high school, is my grandpa. He would, I mean, I literally had 10 colts a day to ride when I was in high school. I mean... I was out there for a to sun down and does it hit. and whenever he would come by he'd come by on his four-wheeler because he was a farmer and he'd be out in the field and he'd come by and, and visit and I'd still be getting paid like an hourly wage, wage from him like when I would sit there and talk to him he would always talk about this breeding or that breeding and how this would work and how that would work and it, he, was, he was like a walking encyclopedia for roping horses <laughs> or potential for <laughs> roping horses yeah. so yeah
0: yeah do you see um, certain breeds more available or out there or in the Northwest, roping horse, cow horse-wise, certain studs that are more prominent in the Northwest? I know I know. once we go outside the Northwest, it's different studs, but it seems... Yeah. I, I don't really know.
3: So to be totally honest, I don't feel like in the in the past people have bred primarily for breakaway horses, and I think there's going to be a change in that. I think, you know... Barrel racing, I'm going to compare to barrel racing because that's the majority of my business. There are very specific bloodlines for very specific types and styles of barrel horses. There's the Dash to Fames and the Frenchman's guys. Those two own most of the industry. When you talk about breakaway horses, you just talk about in general cow horses, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And I honestly think there's a huge opportunity in this market for stallion owners to start pinpointing their offspring to this this new huge opening market and i think people are going to start doing that um there there are a lot of i'm a huge fan of frenchman's guys there are a lot of sons of frenchman's guys in the northwest and that's almost everything that's in my pasture but one is frenchman's guy on one side or the other Um, i think the more people that start to try those are going to like those for breakaway roping um well they
2: do make good head horses we know Mm -hmm. so why not yeah
3: yeah and then in general it's just the the cow horse lines you know california has a lot of i hate to use the term washed out but that's what they call them horses that don't quite make it in in the cow horse industry and california is huge in the cow horse market so a lot of stuff that comes out of there is you know for lack of a better term, washed out, but that doesn't mean not good That's, for... Those are the ones we those want. Those are the ones <laughs> most people want. <laughs> because and those they're fancy be, broke and we can get them yeah, And exactly. those can be anything from, you know, the highbrow cats to the dual peps, and dual rays, and, you know, gosh, there's so many bloodlines out there. And um, some of those lines are a little stingier than others. And a lot of the calf ropers, and maybe you breakaway ropers, like a little sting in your horse. But then just depends don't...
0: how much you want to ride them yes. <laughs> and how long it wants
3: to take to get there yes. so they're going to be
0: much better when you get there but it's going to take a while yes. a lot
2: more box work
3: too yeah yeah. I, I think you will see in the future some stallion owners being much more focused on making horses for your event than there used to be it's not just this horse didn't make it in the cutting or this horse didn't make it in this you should try it as a secondary option in the breakaway I think people are going to focus on I'm going to make breakaway horses I'm going to raise breakaway horses because this industry is growing and I don't see it stopping
0: I, I yeah I know where Maddie would go if I you know I she would go to Kelsey and Roger Nanella's stud based mm-hmm. stud horse that he's amazing mm-hmm. and he was just natural and he's you know much, I think that would be the perfect match yeah. for her, but um, that's not going to happen. But <laughs> no, we can have a Maddie baby. A Maddie baby? No. Heck, I don't think that sounds fun. <laughs> <laughs> um, so now we we kind of talked about the breeding. So, where if if we want a breakaway horse, so so we want the I want a potential breakaway horse, or I want the been there, done that breakaway horse that's safe. Where, where do we find them? Oh, you look under every rock (laughs) because they're hard. Right now, the demand
3: far outseeds exceeds the availability. There's so few out there. Like I scour the internet and Facebook constantly.
2: So are you out there um, because people are asking you for a breakaway horse for their kids? You know, you're getting a lot more calls. So then you're out there searching for them yourself. Yes. Right? that
3: and the fact that my 15-year-old daughter okay. wants one of these bad cats. So you're not
2: having, <laughs> you're not really having people come to you yet that are like, oh, I have this breakaway
3: horse for sale, sell it for me. Very few. Because they're
2: just so... Because, as
3: soon, because people approach people now. Because the demand is so high, people are just walking up off the street and saying, I really like your horse, will you sell it? Yeah. You know, so mm-hmm. they're... A, a couple of the horses that have popped up online, I've caught them online within a couple hours of the post, and I can't get them bought before they're sold already. Wow. They're, the you know, the, the nice ones. They're in such high demand that it doesn't take very long to sell them. Wow. It's hard. It's hard to buy a finished, a really nice finished one, especially if it's what I consider a teacher horse. Right. For kids. That's why right now we have four prospects in our barn that we're trying to make ourselves Mm -hmm. because it might take that long till we find a finished one
2: it might and seems like it's a little more cost-effective that way too
3: yeah (laughs) but we want one right now and they are out there i mean don't get me wrong if you go on facebook and you go to some of those groups and you just type in the search engine breakaway horse you're gonna get a lot of ads but like we talked about earlier, you watch the videos for a few seconds and it, it might not be what you're looking for, especially if you're looking for
0: the teacher horse. Yeah, that's true. What if the ad says, I have this wonderful heel horse and he might make a breakaway horse? What would, are our thoughts on that? I would probably <laughs> scroll right by it. And
3: for, for me, it's personal experience. We have My husband is a team roper mostly healing and we have tried to convert several of his heel horses over and they'll do it don't get me wrong they will do it but it's hard to unpattern a finished heel horse that wasn't started doing two events i'm not saying you can't have a multi-event horse but they're usually made in the beginning on multiple events our horses if they healed for five years it's very hard to change their pattern to break to the pin Your my daughter will be four or five seconds on them every time because they don't
0: break straight to the calf. I think it's huge. And I think those horses have always been roped in a team roping setup, too, um, where that the, they're ran down the right side. The boxes are on the... Would that be the right side?
3: Mm-hmm. And
0: those horses then never track to the right. Correct. Um, if you do get them to break to the pin, they don't track to the right. And it's so different. And I think that's important when you go to try a breakaway horse that you... Try them in a correct setup. That's not a team roping setup.
3: Yeah. So, what huge. are your thoughts on calf roping horses? That an ad that says, "I have this calf roping horse. He's kind of quit pulling." Is that a good possibility for you?
0: Yes, with the understanding that I'm going to want them to stop different than that ad. But that's I, you can get any horse to stop. Yeah. You know, there's going to be a delay because a calf roper... For the most part, wants them to stay free enough that you can swing. But for your beginner or your, you know, your inexperienced roper, that's a good thing that they stay up there till you pull your slack. Because a breakaway horse, you want as you're pulling your slack, they're stopping. Whereas a calf horse, usually when they'll, that you can pull your slack and step in the stirrup before they really get into their stop. So, but I think it's a great thing. Um, yeah, cause you, they already
2: have. They're already breaking to the pen. They're already tracking where you
0: want them to track. So all you really need to do is just shorten them up a little bit. Exactly. Mm -hmm. I think that for your young... The only red flag I see is most calf horses are quirky. And that's why they're calf horses. So you want to make sure that on the ground type of thing. That's because they might just pull back or yeah not pull back but they're gonna they're just quirky right that's what makes them calf horses (laughs) but maybe that's why they're not a good calf horse (laughs) yeah maybe they're not quirky enough they want to be a breakaway horse (laughs) yeah yeah. um so when i go to try out a horse how does that look where do i go do what do i watch for um if i'm going to go look at a breakaway horse what are some thoughts I
3: can give you my thoughts, but I'm sure you have tried more breakaway horses (laughs) than I have or that I've been involved with. Um, But in general, for trying out a horse, your tryout needs to be set up in the situation for you. If you are Jennifer Casey and you're an advanced roper and you show up and they've got some sick Holsteins that are trotting out of the chute, you're wasting your time. Say opposite for a kid, if you show up and they've got a bunch of streakers you're it's you're you're set up to fail if the tryout hasn't been set up properly so communication with the seller beforehand is extremely important to tell them what what your goals are for the finished horse what you're looking for you know um
0: dusty do you have some thoughts on what you look for how that would look if you were to go to try out a horse
1: oh i i agree with what kim said um i would go piggyback just a little bit um as if I'm looking for a horse for my kid, I want to make sure that horse is safe for my child. Like that is, you know, especially if my my child's just learning how to break rope. Um, I want to make sure the horse is safe on the ground. Can you, can can the kid put the boots on? I mean, that is probably one of the most important things I want to, you know, kid proof. (laughs) If if that's my my goal, if I'm looking um, for a horse for myself, um, you know, yes, I want it safe, but if, if it's a little bit spookier, then it's not as big a deal for me. Um, but I am going to look for it when I'm riding it. Is it quick? Is it, you know, getting out of the box quick? Is it stopping quick? Um, and if it's a potential horse, does it still have, it's a, does it have a good mind? Does it like what it's doing? Um, so that's what I look for. I think a lot of it is just, is feel too.
2: I, there was one year that um I was out of a breakaway horse my dad and I literally I think we counted it I think we I ended up trying like 16 different horses and we were on the hunt and could not find one and and it was just a feel for me like I knew in the first calf that I roped if it was a fit for me or not and it wasn't a lot of it wasn't outside factors it was just how well I roped on it and I ended up buying a horse that just because I got on him and I literally roped every calf and it was easy and that's, that's kind of what I was looking for. I wasn't trying to think of too many things. Like, obviously, you want to look for how good in the box mm-hmm. they are. Yes. And, yeah, you, can, you need to know if they can run. So the calves have to be fast enough to see if they're going to get you to that point. But other than that, it was just a feel for me and how well I wrote, really.
3: That is like the that. most important no. thing. Like, that's the basis of my whole business. That's what my business is named after,
0: Best Fit Horse Brokers. It's about the fit.
2: Yep, I like it. And I like not that.
0: every horse is going to, even if you have the baddest cat in the world, if it yes. doesn't fit this little girl that wants to break my rope for whatever reason, because they're just not a match, it's still not the best fit for Absolutely. Her. Exactly. I would fall off of Madison Luthier's horse, even
3: though it is the best
2: oh, cat I've ever seen. That horse is amazing.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Very
0: cool horse. Oh
2: my gosh, I'd still want to try it on. Even if <laughs> I would fall Me off.
0: <laughs> but that was, yeah. So we have, we've talked a little bit about confirmation. How about soundness that checks, thoughts? Mm.
3: Again, it depends what you're looking for, and you have to know what you're looking for. If I'm looking at a prospect or if my buyer is looking at a prospect, soundness is important because you're looking at long-term, and will mm. it hold up when it hits full workload? Um if I'm looking for my 15-year-old daughter and I'm still looking for that teacher horse that I just want for a few years to get her by, I'll let a lot of things go, you know. Um, if they know ahead of time, you know, yes, this horse is 15 years old and we've had to inject his hawks every year, I would not bat an eyelash at that. Um, it, you know, if it's a five-year-old and I go out there and it looks a little peggy, I might not even get on. I might drive out. Um, I always recommend that people get vet checks. Um, The extent you wanna go is kind of personal preference, but I would like a vet to flex that horse. Um, It is not a deal breaker for me if a horse doesn't flex 100% sound. Uh, I've been through probably more vet checks than 90% of the population. I've been through (laughs) a lot of them, between myself, all my clients, my sellers, my buyers. And I'll, I'll tell you honestly, very few horses, I would say 5% come out of a full vet check with no findings. There is almost mm-hmm. always something. And I've had horses that fail a vet check miserably. Now, this was a barrel horse. Fail miserably and the next afternoon run a seventeen o on a standard pattern with no drugs in its system because she couldn't take being flexed. She was mm-hmm. just sensitive to being flexed. Um, Interesting. Interesting. So I would bet check them, but know what your limits are going in and understand that if this is the old seasoned campaigner for your youth or for yourself, be open to doing some maintenance if that horse needs it. If you're looking at a five-year-old that hasn't had a lot of pressure put on it yet and there's a finding other than your basic abscess, give that some thought before you invest because you're not just investing the cost of that horse you're gonna put in years of training to get it th- to that point and your time is worth, in my opinion, as much if not more than the invi- initial purchase price.
0: I think as long as you, and especially for the older horses, you want you're looking for major degenerative types of like Oshgon slaughters or something that's gonna be super degenerative if it progresses, I feel yeah.
2: yeah, like how long how long am I gonna get out of this sore horse? Like right how is this arthritis progressing quickly kind of thing.
3: Yes. Yeah. And a lot of times too, if the horse is in pain and it's becoming bad, then they start to have the behavioral problems. The horse, the old horse who's always been good in the box, all of a sudden now is fighting the box. That's true. Same way with a barrel horse that starts fighting the gate when they start having pain. Oh yeah. That's That's a really good thing. You got to think about that too. You, You have to, if it's an older horse with, some arthritis in his hawks you have to manage it to keep that horse working
0: how it needs to to benefit its rider yeah so we found our horse we got him vet checked we tried we bought him so then we bring what when you bring him home what do okay. you bring, what do you do i'm going to tell
3: you what not to
0: do okay maybe what not to <laughs> do
3: here's some of the pitfalls of buying a horse they are not cars Okay, they have horses or animals of routines and they know their routine, they know their person, they know their feed, they know the stall or pasture that they're in. And when you buy it, you change all of its routine. You, in, in a way, you take away its confidence. So the less you can change for that horse in the beginning, the better. Um, I have so many people that are like, oh, I can't wait to get this horse home, I'm going to change its whole feed program. And then they wonder why it colics
0: you know or why it
3: gets hot because they start dumping the grain to it because they thought it needed a little more weight Mm. than it was carrying when they bought it and now Mm. that horse has an ulcer or it's hot in the box try not to make a million changes don't go changing its headgear if it isn't really necessary for a while the first thing you need to do with your new horse is build the relationship with that horse it needs to trust you it's every person has a different feel so it's gonna, it's gonna feel your hands differently than its prior owner. And it's le- your, your legs and just the way you do everything. Now given, rope horses are a little bit different than barrel horses. Usually barrel horses have one rider. A rope horse may have several, honestly. So it may be already a little bit adaptable to change, but I still feel like the less you can change for that horse in the beginning all at once, the better. And secondly, don't expect to go win the world at your first roping. <laughs> Give it some time. You know, you have to build the partnership first. Your timing isn't probably not going to be perfect right off the bat. There's a period of adjustment, just like a new relationship. Give it some time. <laughs> Don't put too much pressure on yourself to go win because you just bought this bad cat. I'm going to go be two tomorrow, win this roping.
0: Give it a little time. Probably rope some slow calves. When you do decide to rope, I think that, you know. just Confidence builder. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Versus the Koreanis. <laughs> Give them some ace. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> and just ride and spend time and brush mm-hmm. your horse and yes. um, hang out with them and yes. get to know their baseline, right? Get to know that, oh, this they might have this bump here or they're okay. Yes. I can brush them here and they don't, you know, um, twitch or... Kick or bite you <laughs> um, because that way if there is a change then on down the road you know what their baseline is so I think that's huge so
1: really good points I like that build a relationship with your horse mm-hmm. and know your horse
2: know, know your horse really good stuff. get
3: to know the horse know and let the, the horse, horse get to know you
2: yeah so um this is kind of off topic a little bit but when we were talking about buying like a sound horse versus you know a younger one that you want to make sure that they're or like an older one that might have some issues versus a younger one that needs to be sound so when I was talking about how many horses I tried that year so what I ended up buying well we actually ended up buying two so we bought the younger one that was sound and anyways but I loved this older horse he was I think he was like 14 or something but I didn't, buy, I didn't end up buying him because he had got hurt right after I had tried him or it was right before or something like that. And I loved him. We fit so well. So then months later, he healed up, but he ended up with arthritis from the injury. And we still ended up buying him because he was just that perfect fit. And we it out and we're like, okay, is this worth it? But it was because it was arthritis that we could manage with some Prevacox. And he turned out to be the best horse out of them all. And he was even better than the younger one that I bought. So,
0: so Mm -hmm. there's that. That's pretty cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So what is your final parting device advice for breakaway ropers that want to buy a breakaway horse? Buy the horse that is right for you.
3: Know exactly what level you're at and, and write down your goals. Know what, know what you want to do. Attainable Goals. And then think of the characteristics that your horse is going to need to meet your goals. Don't think what, what I need to do in eight years. What do you need to do now? Where are you at right now? And what's the next step you need to take with a horse and go look for that horse. And it's hard. I mean, if you get tired of looking, use a trusted advisor, a, a Jennifer Casey, or call a broker like myself and, and. Go to people who know the industry and know people and, and can help you find one that's right and not just a random ad from Joe Schmo four states away that nobody's ever heard of. Use a trusted person.
1: Yeah, I think that's great advice. So if you're brand new to horses or you've been in it for a while, but you're not quite sure what you're looking for, find somebody that you know has been, has been doing it for a long time mm-hmm. and ask. You know, everybody's more than happy to help help you out with that yeah. kind of thing
0: because sure. they've probably seen if it's, especially if it's an older horse they've yeah. probably seen the horse or know somebody that has seen the horse right. so i think that's valuable information yeah yeah it's yeah. good good stuff yeah well, thank you very much.
3: Oh, thank you, yes. Thank yeah, you it was for awesome to, to have you. you. I am so honored. I and I knew coming in here, I was going to learn a lot, and I feel like I did. So oh, this was that's good. Beneficial no, for you me taught us a ton of stuff.
1: That's what's been so amazing about these podcasts is just all of the great things that we're we're talking about and things that people need to know and yeah. if, if you want to succeed, I mean this is your homework it's part of doing your homework you've you've got to listen to the podcast you've got to go online and research if you're like what the heck were they talking about with this confirmation in the shoulder and the hawks and stuff Google, <laughs> Google, yeah. and and then find one of us and ask, or find somebody that knows industry. And I mean, we're we're all here to help this breakaway industry grow. So I'm, I'm, and I'm it's really exciting. It's so
3: exciting the growth of this industry. I love it, and and I love that the kids are just flocking to mm-hmm. it. You know, and and what you guys are doing with this podcast, you're educating this new generation of kids. It. I can't wait to see what this industry and this sport looks like mm-hmm. in. 10 or 15 years, yes. it's gonna be amazing. It's yeah. yeah,
1: It's exciting. Yeah,
3: I'm it is. Excited. It
1: is. It's awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here. Yeah, and thanks. That's it. Bye. 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 Hi, this is Dusty Crenshaw, one of the podcasters from the All Focus and Grit Breakaway Roping Podcast. I wanna share something with you that I'm absolutely in love with. It is called Beach Body on Demand. It's like Netflix streaming of workout programs. It has over 700 workouts. And the part I love about it is I can take it with me anywhere. I can work out using my phone, my computer, or on my TV. So for those of you that are looking for a workout program, take the quick survey below in the show notes and start achieving your workout goals.
0: Thank you, everyone, for listening to the All and Grit Breakaway Roping Podcast.
3: Dream big and rope
0: sharp.